Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to To The Point Podcast, episode 129. I'm Rachel Lyon here with host Eric Trexler. Good morning, Eric. How are you? I'm great, Rachel. We were uh, last week in Florida and they were fishing an alligator out of my uh, property this nice. morning. It was great. Nice. Wow. Did you- yeah, he, he's, uh, he's returned. He comes back and goes to the pool every night and swims around in the pool. And then in the day, suns himself. It's great. That's nice. Nice. It's a little baby, two and a half feet. It's great. (laughs) Are you going to keep it? Are you going to take it back home with you? I'm not getting involved. I'm just watching the the festivities. But who do we have today? I'm so excited. We have Lisa Dawn in here today. She's a partner at Option 3 Ventures. Um, And I really love the focus of what they do. They're a cybersecurity private equity firm that focuses on the intersection of information security and national security uh, with expertise and experience in companies coming out of the U.S. intelligence community. I mean, I can only imagine what kind of companies are, are coming out of this. So welcome, Lisa. I'm so excited to have our conversation today. And I'm, hope, I'm, I'm hoping that alligator is small. He's, he's about two and a half feet, but I'll tell you, he's quick. We've had to take our little dog. And, I was going to uh, say. Well, I always no hear the barking. Yeah, we, little- we keep him in the house. Yeah, that would be a good thing. Toy poodles, beagles, not a good thing. He'd, he'd lose a, he'd probably lose a foot because he thinks he's a German shepherd and he's never seen an alligator before being from up north. That makes oh, sense. gosh. Yes. Gosh. Yeah. Well, we're <laughs> swimming in a lot of alligators of late, right? On the cyber front? Absolutely. Yes. yes. <laughs> alligators, crocodiles, caiman, you name it. Yeah. I love it. So... I, we were talking at the, you know, before we got on the call, and I, and I thought it was an interesting point you were asking, Eric, for those out there who maybe aren't clear on the venture capital private equity front, kind of what's, what's each of their focus and how do they function? Um, could you shed a little light on that, Lisa? Because there's a lot of money funneling through, I think, both of these pathways recently, yes? Yes. Uh, this year alone, private equity and venture capital will be putting about $44 billion into cybersecurity. Venture capital is really categorized as early stage, so seed, uh, series A, series B, and private equity is is much more late stage, uh, series C, D, and E, and F, buyouts, and whatnot. So you've got both sides. Um, When we first started cybersecurity investing five years ago, there really wasn't any late stage in cybersecurity. Um, Fast forward. Uh, there is late stage now, and we do a full cycle from C to C to all the way to the other end. So, yeah, it's been it's been fascinating. And when you say the other end, Lisa, you're really talking about from you know round C D whatever it may be until IPO acquisition acquisition something. right yeah by and large uh, in the past it was usually strategic acquisition Eric yeah and now you know we've got roughly twenty. 20 cyber companies that are positioning for IPO. Wow. So it, when you say it, now, it, you're talking in 2021. Correct. So it's wow, really it a market like a that has matured. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's a market that has matured in many ways financially, but we're still, as you guys know, dealing with the breadth of just coming out of, you know, SolarWinds and the Microsoft Exchange hacks, and we can go on and on about the state of, of the attack surface, right? So 
It's some sometimes incongruent. So you, you see companies like Barracuda, McAfee that IPO'd, now they're going back private again. Right. I think McAfee's yes. done it twice. What's the motivation there from a cybersecurity company perspective when they do something like that, especially when the market's hot? I mean, the market's hot right now. You would argue that McAfee theoretically is in that market. Yes. And well, I think the, yeah, the McAfee divestiture, really. Uh, was quite interesting. So, you know, they sold off the enterprise business and they're, you know, they're going to rebrand that. They were privately purchased. And then yeah. you've got the consumer side of McAfee, which is continue going to continue to serve, uh, you know, the customers that it has. And so, you know, I can't speak directly to, you know, what's motivating these particular companies to either be in the public markets or the private markets. Uh, but it's usually, you know, growth oriented where they're focused, where the capital has to be deployed, and how fast does that capital have to be deployed? Okay. And so okay, that makes folks, sense. Have, folks have different strategies in, in, in you know, different markets. Right. But, you know, uh, you know, we should add, though, we are now at a point where we've got 3,500 cybersecurity companies, and that's growing. That, and that's a okay. crazy number, oh. yes. I mean, and how do you and they're all And they're all not going to be winners, no, exactly. Well, how do, and so how do you figure out who to invest in? I mean, it's because I mean, when you have a landscape that large and, you know, you're differentiating between, you know, let's say next gen tech, disruptive companies or companies that are just, you know, kind of doing it better than the rest. I mean, mm -hmm. how do you know where to focus or, you know, how do you balance that mix in your portfolio? Right. Well, at option three, we've got three investment themes. And so when we look at a company, we need to make sure that the company actually fits in one or more of those investment themes, right? And so the first one would be cyber physical systems. And the reality right now is that there are a host of IT solutions, but those do not um, fit, you know, the rigor for operational technology. So HVAC systems, power generators, electric, you know, grids. Um, I was going to ask for a couple of examples, but yeah. okay. The, the hack that we just recently saw in Oldsmar, Florida, where yeah, we had a hacker, a hacker going into a remote accessible device, putting more chemicals into the water. Thank goodness there was a plant operator that saw that yes. there was something erroneous going on. Horrific. And so cyber physical systems are all about industrial control systems, SCADA mm. systems. Right. right. And so the IT solutions out there right now don't support the requirements for OT. So that would and be- And this is a new, I mean, no, target. No. I mean, we can go way back. Correct. This has been a long-term problem. And, right. and do you find, Lisa, that the space is, that space specifically moves quickly enough? I don't think it's moving quickly enough. And I think that, you know, operational technology for years had the mindset that they were air-gapped. That, you know, they had no connectivity to the Internet, so therefore they were fine. Right. Well, fast forward, that has dramatically changed. Uh, you know, it's 40% of industrials have at least one connection to the Internet. 80% have discoverable devices to the Internet. So mm -hmm. fast forward, you know, $22 billion going into cyber physical systems. So, you know, it's a... It's an area that obviously we, we look at very closely. Uh, the and next I one, bet most yep. have no idea that they are connected to the internet and how they're connected to the internet. I would agree. I would agree. So the next one. 
Yeah, disruptive technology, right? So I think we were speaking okay. a little bit earlier, right? So next generation, a, a fabulous term that's often, often used in cyber and, and high tech, right? And, yeah. and know, jet fighters. Yes, right? <laughs> and next generation to me, really, I use car analogies all the time, right? That's kind of like a six-cylinder six cylinder going to hybrid, right? Disruptive would be Tesla, right? Yeah. So technology, emerging technology that is dramatically you know, either reducing the cost or significantly improving the state of cybersecurity effectiveness or efficiency. Mm-hmm. I can't right. wait to hear your examples here. HVAC we could hang with. <laughs> what would you throw into the disruptive bucket? Uh, quantum, quantum computing. Okay. So, you know, yeah. out of 3,500 cybersecurity companies, there are maybe 35 working on quantum. Right. And quantum is really interesting in cybersecurity because the ability for exponential higher processing power enables hackers to break through public key standards that, you know, we widely rely on today. Um, all sorts of security going on in automotive. Right. Um, you know, Rachel was earlier discussing, you know, the ability for a car to be ransomware at 75 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, kind of scary. Yeah. And I think especially when you're on autopilot and then it goes away. (laughs) Right. Well, and I think folks actually just think that this is only for autonomous and it's not. These are for connected cars. So really anything between 2014 and fast forward, you know, your car is connected. Right. Um, Right. And and cars, you know, have a lot of computer systems already in them when you're buying them. Yes. And your brakes could be remotely disconnected. Correct. Okay. Yeah, no, I I went on the radio, I went on WTOP, I think about a year ago, maybe a little more. And we were talking about quantum as a cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been in the business a little while and I really hadn't thought about it. And I was like, "Eh, I don't know that that's hitting us just yet. And then we had Steve Grobman, the CTO of McAfee on the show, probably May, June, we were talking about quantum, we were talking about voting systems. And Steve said, the real problem is you can steal the data now and through quantum computing, you're going to decrypt it later. You'll break those algorithms. And the light bulb went off. And I said, this is a major, major right. problem in cybersecurity where we have a lot of major problems. Right. And, and we get back to PE versus VC, right? So quantum, you know, the companies that, you know, the 35 companies right now are very much in that venture capital bucket, right. you know, versus PE. Right now. I would think so. I, I would think the larger, more established companies would not have the patience, the capital, and the desire to really do the R&D required on right. the quantum side. I would think they would wait for it to happen. I would think they would wait for some kind of disruptive invention or capabilities, right. and then they would want to just buy it. Well, it's that whole build versus buy, right? Yeah. And so it kind of gets back to that whole concept of commercializing technologies, right? And so, you know, People ask me all the time, well, how did you get into investing? Like, yeah. what, were your, what were your thoughts about Good that? Good question. And the reality is after 25 years of commercializing technology, so taking a technology to market, creating financial value, you know, staying ahead of competition, doing it quickly, efficiently. Frankly, it was a, it was, it was a great translation to investing and a great on-ramp to investing because VC to PE is all about those companies, whether large, medium, or, you know, or even small that can can do the commercialization, and at, whether that's coming out of R and D or whether that's a piece of technology that they found and get it to scale. So that's another thing. You know, 
I look to, right, in this whole, you know, whether it's cybersecurity, physical, disruptive, or the last one, automation, is are we solving for a pervasive problem that someone will spend a dollar for? Right. Because there are lots of great ideas, right? But they don't all make good businesses. It's like the pizza analogy. I know a lot of pe- people want to make pizzas, but they don't want to be in the pizza business. Mm. Right. right. Very different. Very different. Yes. So, so let me ask you a question. I, I think your perspective on this is really going to help our listeners. I, I hope so. We talk about machine learning. We talk about artificial intelligence all the time in cybersecurity. In fact, if you ask five people what those technology areas really mean to them, you'd get at least 20 different answers. But I really think automation, which is not as sexy, it's not as interesting, is, is going to bring more value to the business, to the agencies, whatever it may be. Um, than than machine learning or AI. I mean, to me, they go hand in hand almost, but we don't talk automation a lot, Lisa. If, if, if I'm in a meeting with a customer, you'll hear machine learning, you'll hear AI all the time. I'll throw back automation. We'll be talking about, you know, just automating some process, automating the way they do things, simplifying and speeding up something. Correct. And it doesn't res- it doesn't resonate with the typical customer. Do you I see know, that? It do- do- you know, it doesn't have that, you know, pizzazz. But yes. the reality is that what is it that is. It, yeah, it's or- not sexy, Eric. Automation, Automation is not sexy. Is really important. <laughs> it's our third investment thesis, and you know, the ability to mitigate, detect, prevent, yes, you know, cyber attacks that are now so much more sophisticated, persistent. And to be able to do it effectively, efficiently, and faster than humans right. is really, right. really important. And you add on the fact that we've got 4 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs yes. in the world. Yes. It, we're, we're the only place that has zero unemployment for the last decade. Cybersecurity. Right? Yeah. Correct. That's crazy. Yeah. Correct. And so that okay. actually is our biggest threat, the lack right. of talent. Yeah. So why don't people talk, and I agree, and we've talked about it a ton on the show, there, there aren't enough people to fill the jobs. We've talked, about, we've talked about it from a gender perspective. We've talked about it from coming outside, you know, bringing English majors in, right. artists, you name it, yeah. getting people into the industry. Why isn't automation resonating with people? It's, it's almost like uh, the, the, what I see when I talk to customers or partners even it's almost like we're, we're attacking their jobs. Yes. We're going to yeah. automate. 100%. But, but yes. they, don't, they don't close that gap, that linkage, where it's like, wait a minute, there are two to four million jobs open right now, and those are right. better jobs from. Exactly. Like I could do, right. if I could get a machine to hit these buttons that I hit every day, all day, or to analyze this report, I wouldn't have to do that, and I could do something more exciting. Exactly. That's my perspective. Well, I don't and, get that. And, and I'm sure you, you've been in those rooms where you've got security teams ty- trying to digest gobs and gobs of data and yes, turn that yes. into actionable information. A- a- to solve for that is why there's automation. And well, I, I agree. I look at host, it I'm like, just give me the answer. Right. Let me make the decisions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And well, you know, of- we haven't had a very big, big pipeline. Of, of talent. You know, we've got a lot of universities. I'm the chairman at George Mason's Volgenau College of Engineering. You know, yeah, I saw that. Several years ago, we, we launched the undergrad in cybersecurity engineering. We launched the master's in cybersecurity engineering. These are programs that did not exist. We had no people working on them. And now right. we've got thousand, you know, students coming out of it. Right. 
But then we said, okay, well, that's great. But then we even had to go more down market. You know, we did partnerships with Nova Community College here in Northern Virginia, right? We're going down into the high schools to get internships so that kids understand that there are options and that cybersecurity doesn't mean just I need an IEEE engineering degree. There are other jobs that can be done. But we're not going to make four million and it's growing. We're not going to make four million students into employees. Not overnight, but we have to start, you know, so you've got kind of multiple tentacles having to solve for this issue, right? right? The government recognizes it as well. And so there's a lot of certification programs. Again, you don't have to be a, you know, a double E just to get a job in cybersecurity, but we have to start somewhere because as I said earlier, this is our largest issue. Lack of talent. But as a business owner, and and, I don't want to get hung up on this too much more, but I would think that automation would be one of the most important driving components. It's one of your three critical critical areas, Table stakes, correct. I just don't see it. It's like, give me the answer so I can make decisions. That's not the the discussion that I have 98% of the time. Right. Well, it it actually is, if you go into SMB, small, medium-sized businesses, it's absolutely probably the number one because- Because they have to. They have no, no choice. You've got- Companies that are less, traditionally less than 500 employees, you yeah. don't have the technical expertise, you right. don't have the resources, yet you still have the same challenges that the Fortune 500 do. And oh, by the way, bad guys know it. And who gets attacked the most? Small, right. medium-sized businesses. I, I was going to say, I might argue, and I'm not an expert in SMB, but I might argue that they have bigger challenges like ransomware mm-hmm. and they're easier targets. So right. you get drive-bys right. and everything else where a DHS or a Citibank may not, you know, they, they might not right. have to deal with those in the same way. Right. Or they're, they're right. More, certainly more equipped to. Right. And, and it's a large market, you know, from a, so right. from an investment standpoint, you know, it's 50 billion in over the next few years. That's a yeah. very attractive market. But very few have figured it out. And it really gets down to the distribution. And so- Distribution of? How do you sell it? So do you sell it through MSP, managed service providers, managed security service providers, right? right? Direct. And so no one has quite figured it out yet, but I think this whole concept of security in a box, one-stop shopping, um, is critical. And to your point, the ransomware, the other people who have taken notice about this is cyber insurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, ransomware is the number one area that cyber insurers are addressing right now. Right. right. Because of payouts. Yep. Yeah. Now, if wow. you if you backtrack a little bit. Although people shouldn't pay out, but I mean, that's a whole right, other well, conversation. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is. A, <laughs> you want to talk to the should Department they, of Treasury. not? I mean, I don't know. Well, it's, a, yeah. it's a decision well, it's, calculus, but you know. Well, uh, look what happened with NonPetya, right? Back in, what, 2017, yeah. uh, 2014, 2017. Um, no, I don't want to say that was 18. I think it was earlier. I think, it was, I think 17. I think it was, I thought it was 17. So yeah. they, so insurers didn't pay out on that. They, they declared that an act of war. Mm, interesting. And they did not pay out on that. So, so how, how do they delineate? I mean, and how, how do they determine? I mean, uh, attribution is very, very difficult as we know. And, and, you know, so maybe one big one, you can, you can kind of make a guess, but I mean, by and large, how could something like that be sustainable in determining act of war, nation state versus just some guy, you know, um, trying to see what he can do? Right. Yeah. It's it's an interesting development on the insurer side of the house. 
you know, at some point, I think you will see, uh, you know, sort of like the, uh, that automotive insurance, you know, mm-hmm. if you drive a certain way, you will get a discount. Right. I think fast forward in cyber insurance, you will see similar. If mm-hmm. you've got, you know, a cyber security risk management profile, if you've taken cyber resiliency seriously mm-hmm. and you've put certain practices in place, I could see that evolving. Interesting. So Petra was discovered. I just looked it up, ladies. <laughs> March oh, thank of you, 20, I, you know, I, I was questioning what? myself. Uh, thank March you. of 2016. Mm-hmm. And then the new variants came out around June of 2017. Yes. And right after WannaCry, I, I, right. I believe it was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I believe WannaCry hit like hit like May of seventeen, and then bam, it was a double whammy that year. Yeah. Yeah. So we weren't that so, off. So Lisa, no, you were you were dead on. Lisa, question for you: uh, You were talking about the thirty five hundred companies before you went into the kind of the three areas you look to invest in, or, or the categories, I should say. Right. How do you even count them? That, that's the question that came <laughs> to my mind right away. Like, who's even counting? I had a I had a vice president I worked with a couple. This is probably 13 said there are more than 4,000 companies in cybersecurity and the industry is unprofitable. And I remember at the time saying, huh, how are you counting that? Like who's actually even counting this thing and and, and who's determining profitability? I think I I trust your uh, information though. How do you do it? So you've got a, you've got a host of firms that do database, right? So there's a, you know, just like there is on the fortune 500, just, you know, there's, you know, there are databases that log, right? How many companies are in this, you know, from a private equity so and venture camp and Boston. things like that. Correct. Okay. And then, and then, you know, we've got our own ways uh, to, to verify that there are roughly that amount of companies. Um, every single time you go to a conference, right. right? You can see who's net new, who's already been there for the X amount of years prior. Yeah. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, for such a vast amount of money invested in this space, it's a pretty small community. I mean, I think you guys understand It's a really small. I mean, you're constantly hearing about employees that are going to a new place and the the industry shifts. Right. It's a really small community, but 3,500 companies. I mean, if you think back to your experience with technology, any other industry you can think of that is that disaggregated? Disjointed. I don't. I don't know what the dis word is here, but can you think of anything similar? No. I mean, no. even the dot com bubble back right. in the uh, yeah, late nineties and yeah, everything. Yeah, but that, totally that even that was still very you know concentrated and in the ecosystem of you know telecommunications right. suppliers to them. So that that was still. I think pretty consolidated compared to these. And, and to your point, it is fragmented. I mean, you've got, you know, de- depending on what analysts you look at, you've got roughly six to eight verticals, industry verticals mm-hmm. that represent right. cybersecurity, everything from mobility, cloud, endpoint perimeter, threat intelligence, right? So, you know, the reality is that at 3,500, to your point, right, I think you're nicely saying, it's a noisy space. Right. And so, so why from, is an, from an investor standpoint, right, you've got to be really good at picking yeah. winners, exactly. which goes back to your earlier question is what makes good, right? right? And so you've got to have those thesis. You've got to understand, you know, how to commercialize. If you understand that process, you have a better understanding of what it takes for these in particular early stage companies to grow, 
mm-hmm. later stage to get profitable and what those exits look like. Right? And, and why do we accept so many losers? Is it such an innovative space and dynamic <laughs> that that they're just allowed Gosh, it's to before persist? before noon, Eric. <laughs> Come on. We, we're fishing an alligator this morning. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be the hardest thing for you and, and, and your firm to figure out, like, where do we place our bets? Like, right. wh- there's so many people in the market. Right. Well, we, we've been blessed. Um, we, we've got a, we've got a strong, you know, operating team, strong national security team, and we've got right. a great Wall Street team. Right. So we've got a nice trifecta there. Mm. Right. And so we think we're pretty good at picking winners. And we've seen some testament of that over the last while. But to your point, there's a lot of noise and you've got to break through the noise, right? So it goes back to the fundamentals, right? You want to try and find the white space, right? Right. Yeah. We, we don't need more firewall companies. We don't need more, you know, we, we have a lot of stuff. Right. And you've got also an environment where, you know, you say you speak to your customers, right? Well, you know, those customers on the enterprise side have more than 50 to 60 cybersecurity vendors already in their environment. Yes. Right. So that whole, how can I help you, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, gets a little challenging. Yes. So it goes back to the thesis. You better have a pervasive problem that you're solving for and that someone will pay for it. Right. No, that's a good point. So do you think, I mean, we're seeing disruption in the automotive industry. I mean, we're seeing manufacturing come back to the states with Tesla and Rivian and and, and uh, who's, who's Lucid now. Lucid. And, I mean, there's a, there's a host of them. Great really looking revolutionizing- car, by the way. Isn't it? Very nice looking car. It's a pretty car. But the it Rivian's is. a nice truck. I mean, we're, and, and the Tesla, I mean, who bet, how many people bet against Tesla over the last decade? But I mean, think about the the revolution in the automotive industry. Do you see that coming into cyber at some point? I, I would sure, I'll, I'll speak for on my behalf. I would like to see that. Yes. I think the industry needs it. I think our customers need Very it. Very much Well, so. I think you're making a really interesting point, but I kind of turn it on its head right you're highlighting the fact that cybersecurity is a horizontal, right? So okay. what you just described in my brain, right, is that you see automotive, which is a platform, and their need to put cybersecurity into their platform right. for the, all the reasons we spoke about earlier. Ransomware attacks, driving, right? Now autonomous, right? Tesla's basically computers with a battery right. and all yeah. good looking, but, you know, still all software. And so cybersecurity must be addressed, right? Because it's life-threatening. We've moved over the last 15, 20 years from financial, reputational, and now we're in life-threatening scenarios, right? Dramatically changed. And I think the same thing as you're saying manufacturing, right? So manufacturing may be moving, maybe changing, but the requirement for cybersecurity to be built from the beginning, designed yes, yes. from the beginning and versus bolted on mm-hmm. needs to change. And that takes life cycles yeah. to do. Right. You know, we've talked about that a lot. But, but really right. what I was saying was the, the move from internal combustion engine to electric hmm. being a big shift in the automotive industry and, and really company level shift. I mean, we've yeah. got companies now that are massive that didn't exist 20 years ago. Yes. They weren't threats. They weren't anything. Do you see a similar shift in cyber where we are focused on, you know, the malware coming in? We, we've been perimeter based. Now we're going to support cloud. But it's been evolutionary improvements at a slower pace than the 
evolution of the adversarial attacks. Right. Do you see a, a, a momentum shift or, or some kind of massive shift, like internal combustion to electric? Do you see the same thing in cyber? Like built in maybe, right? Yeah. Bolted I, on versus someone's going to figure out built in in the future. I so, don't know the answer. Yeah. I think one aspect is, you know, design, security design from the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. But the other yeah. kind of more, I think, recent, very recent that I've seen is the boards and C-suites understanding and recognizing and taking much more seriously that cybersecurity is not an IT issue. It's a business issue. Issue. Agreed. And in some places that has trickled down. In other places, I still see that it has to happen. And I'm encouraged by that. Because, yeah. you know, especially in you know, large enterprises, it starts from the top and leadership has to recognize that, you know, frankly, this could be a differentiation. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great point, Lisa, that Versus I think a lot of people forget about. Being defen- you know, defensive about it. Yeah. It should be a differentiation, you know, that you've invested whatever you've invested and that you've turned your offering, your value proposition with the customer in mind and the customer in mind wants to be protected, wants to be resilient. And so if you're able to leverage that, you have a differentiation and probably a sustainable one. That's great. Because you're hearing, you're hearing more too about people, you know, specifically putting a cyber person on their board. Um, you know, I've been hearing about it more and more. You know, and, and, you know, kind of that's the debate, right? I mean, do you have just a cyber person or does it become everyone's responsibility on the board to know cyber and, you know, how do you approach <laughs> so, it kind okay, of thing? So I'm opinionated yeah. on that one. Um, Love to hear it. Let's hear it. For let's sure. hear it. <laughs> so, so it's kind of, it's kind of my view when they say it's, well, it's an IT person. Well, no, you know, everyone in IT needs to be a security person now, right? You, you, you can't have this, you know, that's an IT person and that's a security person. No, that's not really not going to work anymore, right? right? And I say the same thing at the board, right? The board needs to be at some level cybersecurity, you know. Aware. No, yeah. Knowledgeable. Knowledgeable. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. Now, they may have somebody who, who really may has have a someone deep who background. Does, correct. Right. And we turn to Sarah because Sarah came from the industry and can render – opinions that are trusted, but I, I agree with you. Knowledgeable. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's right. all, you almost have to be, you know, everybody has to be financially knowledgeable so they can right. understand a balance sheet as the board is communicating. I think cyber is similar to that. Correct. Well, and and, and maybe, to your point, you become can, accountable too, right? I mean, if there's an attack right. or something where they, they can also become accountable in any kind of like class action lawsuit or what have you. So it kind of pays off to be cyber aware. Yeah, because I mean, the, 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 I mean, the reality, as you guys, guys know, and, and many in our community know, right, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, when. you are attacked. And so 100%. what is your posture? It, it kind of reminds me of, you know, when, when if you have children, right? I mean, I used to go through, okay, if the fire alarm goes off, this is what you do, right? You have the plan, you practice the plan. And the same thing goes with cybersecurity, especially when you're when you're pivoting from cybersecurity to resiliency, right? Right. And so can you predict? Are you going to practice it? Is it a priority? And for well, those so. companies, then... <laughs> yes. You spend a lot of time on the small, medium business side. 
Yes. A lot of attacks hit hit them. They're different. They're less prepared. Right. Why why is that? I mean, what what do you see there? Why is that interesting to you? Because small doesn't equate to not valuable. Right. And I think in the U.S. for so many years, folks thought, well, that's a small company. There, there's no value there. Oh, it's not a Fortune 500 company. Right. But I can give you plenty of examples of small companies, family offices, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, people of ni- high net worth who have very s- small amount of employees, usually less than 10. But they're the value that they have is highly attractive to right. bad people. Right. Private equity firms. Private equity firms were in this last year attacked 240% more than the previous year. Why is that? Because every single time a private equity firm puts out a press release that they've just invested in a company that says to the hacker, wow, if those guys did all that due diligence and think there's value there, we're going to go there. So they must have some intellectual property or or something that must be worth something. Right? PE firms by and large are pretty small compared to a Fortune 500. But it's the value. Right. So okay, that makes very, a lot that's of a sense. Great point. Very attractive. But targets. they don't have the they don't have the capabilities of a large firm. Right. Many don't. They probably have one person Many, who's part time on cybersecurity. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Maybe or or, yeah. or or an IT fella. Right. The IT right. person, guy or girl who takes care of right. their computers. Yeah. Call yeah. up Rachel. Or, she can fix it. <laughs> oh, she's on vacation. Well, she'll get to it next week. Don't worry about or, it. Or putting something into the cloud. I think we're secure now, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's an area where, and, and I'd love to be educated if I'm wrong, but I think the cloud has been huge in helping these smaller firms accelerate from a velocity perspective, take on protections. I do question whether the IT administrator, the person maybe understands some of the options, services, capabilities right. to take advantage of them. But Microsoft and Amazon have done a pretty good job in some ways of providing capabilities to the masses, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, and I would agree with you. They've also enabled managed service providers, right? So many of these small companies yeah. look to a managed service provider who may or may not have you know, security mm-hmm. as one of their value propositions, but that, that's evolving as well. And are helping those com- you know, companies put stuff into the cloud. Um, you know, Eric, for your space, right? Get CMMC certified. Right. Right. So there you've got, you know, what, 300,000 federal contractors, everything from mom and pops, if you will, to, you know, the the biggest of the dib defense industrial base. Right. Moving into CMMC. Well, getting assessed in CMMC has been an eye opener for many companies. Right. I bet. Let alone the certification process. I mean, imagine if you're selling like tractors or trucks or something to the federal government. Right. You probably don't know a whole lot about cybersecurity. You'd love to just outsource that, I suspect. Correct. Here. Right. You okay. handle my, I'd, I'd outsource all of IT, quite right. frankly. Well, and you think If, if I, there were options available. Right. And you think, well, I only have like what, four systems, you know, four, yeah, you know, right. I mean, I got a payroll. Or, you know, oh, no problem. I can take care of that. Yeah. Well, you know, if you want to get further into the stack of, you know, certification in CMMC, well, that's a whole different, you know, kettle of fish. It is, yeah. yes. But I don't know that they have great options today to outsource. It's evolving. IT. It's evolving. It's coming. But it's I, evolving. I'm there, not there sure are, I'd know where to go. Yeah, there are, you know, I mean, 
there are 30,000 plus managed service providers in this country. Um, you know, wow. okay. a, and a host of those do security really, really well. Right. And I think more are going to do security really well. Okay. Because it's such, you know, you, it, you go back to the market opportunity, right? You've got 50 billion in cybersecurity just targeted to SMB over the next few years. Yeah. That's a big chunk uh, of change. Nice chunk of change. Yeah, and some, people, some businesses want it. Correct. Right. So, so Rachel and I have been in this business a long time, Lisa. You, you've definitely got that macro perspective. Yeah. Where do we go next? Career-wise, what's going to move the needle in cybersecurity? Like, yeah. where, where's the next field? Is it quantum, as you talked about earlier? Where should we be looking to yes. go yes. Um, to help our customers? Where should customers be looking to go? Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, that's a really loaded one. So I know, me, it's broad. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I haven't had another cup of coffee, but let me go at it. So, there's a couple of things you have to think about, right? So, from a customer, okay. from a customer standpoint, right? You, you, you want to be filling, and most many have your cybersecurity architecture stack, right? You want to have a cybersecurity risk management profile, and you need to have whatever it's taken for you to have that and to be confident about it, and you're going to have an ongoing assessment on how well that is performing for you, yes. like quarterly, yeah. right? Whether it's red teaming, whatever pen t- you know, whatever testing you guys are doing, you need to continue to do that. From a technology standpoint, there's going to be a host of technologies. We've talked about a few. There's more. You know, there's generative adversarial networks, which is part of artificial intelligence, but it is deep learning methods. But many of these are early stage. They're moving from research and development, academic, and moving to you know hopefully commercial technologies in in the shorter time than none. But the country is behind. Right. And so we almost need a, you know, um, go to the moon type of initiative. Right. Because whether it's quantum, AI, forget about 5G, let's go 6G, right? We're, We're not in a position that makes us the most competitive, Right. And we're not structurally set up to do that. I mean, other than the government, who would drive us on that moonshot you refer to? I mean, who, who would bring the nation together to get us there, well, whether it is 5G, quantum or whatever? Well, it's really interesting. I mean, I was really encouraged by last year's, you know, Cyberspace Solarium Commission report. Yes. Which was bipartisan. Was great. Um, I'm really hoping that Congress acts on a whole host of those recommendations. Um, you just had the recent... National uh, Artificial Intelligence, led by Eric Schmidt, right, a former Google, uh, which gave a host somewhat like the Solarium report on artificial intelligence. But it's almost kind of, and uh, I almost equate it to kind of curing cancer, right? We are so ahead in so many areas, but we're also siloed in so many areas. I was going to say, we're very fragmented. You've got to bring those together. Because the more you can harness, the easier it will be to get ahead. But is that not a is that not a, a goal a, a requirement of the federal government? I mean, who, right now I feel like industry is taking the lead in most areas, mm-hmm. but they're doing it for pri- profit for gain. Like, who brings everybody together from an industry perspective and says 
this is how and where we're going to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, that, I, happened, I, that happened in the 60s with the Apollo and Mercury program. Yeah, and I've, I I've, I've heard happening. a lot of dialogue about that, right? And I think, and, and this is, you know, we've talked about public partner, private partnerships mm-hmm. all the time, right? We've been speaking about them for years. And I think we probably could show examples of success and then a whole bunch of not. Right. Right. So, yeah. But it has to be actionable, like those, you know, I don't see how, Eric, you get to any of what the commission said on both AI and cyberspace without having a robust public part, you know, private partnership. Right. But it has to Agreed. be actionable. There's got to right. be accountability. But and it's I not think, just information sharing. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, it, no, no. It's not just information sharing as we've seen it before. Yeah, I've been no. involved on the information sharing side and it's like, here's what I have. What do you have? And right. we've all got the same stuff. It's mislabeled. They got 40 copies. Of, I mean, it's 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 like, OK, but nobody's driving. Like, why are we doing this? What are we right. trying to accomplish? I, I think that and, you, you and, mentioned and further, this. What are the good. milestones? What's it going to cost right. us to do that? Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. What, ha- what yeah. have we solved for? Who's in charge? I, I look back to the right. to the Solarium Commission report and at the. I think it opens up with it, which is actually the a, a segment from the end of P.W. Singer's book. To, uh, it was something war, light, not like war. I can't think of the book now, but it talks uh, about uh, this. The I think perfect it was a staffer. Weapon. It was the perfect, the perfect weapon. weapon. Yeah, thank you. And, and, and it's like the staffer who's looking back on what happened. Mm-hmm. Right. And we, we didn't do anything. And I think about that. And, and you look at the Solarium Commission report. You could reprint it this year, put 2021 right. on it. I'm not sure that we've moved right. the needle. Well, well, if you read, you know, so the, so the good news, bad news about the pandemic, right, is I've read a lot of books. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think almost 50 books. And so, you know, I had to put some chiclet books in there, too. I won't talk about those books, but on just kind of, you know, our you know, cybersecurity book. I mean, besides you know, Sanger's book, and then you had Nicole Perlroff's yes. new book. You know, it's great. Eric's We're favorite get her book. On the yes. show. Come oh. on, Rachel. Get We're on working that. on it. We're working on it. Oh, we had we had Sanger on the show. He's brilliant. Yes, yes. They both have been involved with this for so many years, and you know, this is how you know this is how they tell me the world will end if you're not if you haven't been in cybersecurity. I mean, she she was sharing stories, and I'm like. Oh boy, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. It, I, right. You know, there yeah. there are so many of us who have been in it or, for or so long. I didn't have long. that perspective at that time, but right. I know what was going on there. It's like yeah. the pieces are coming together. Correct. Right. And the individuals, it? and the parties, and the conferences, and the yes. the stuff that was happening. Um, I just, I, 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 I'm so, I'm so glad she wrote it. Yeah. So glad yeah, but who's going to do something about it? Right. So I have a new book for you to read while you're still in. It's called Think Again by Adam Oh, I have it. Grant. I haven't gotten through it yet. So if you read it from the perspective of skip life for a second, but cybersecurity. <laughs> yes. It, and it, you just allow yourself to look at the problem, open up your mind. That's what I love about this podcast. We meet so many fascinating people right. with different perspectives. Yes. We learn so much. And he talks about that in the book, not in the construct of, you know, from a cybersecurity background, but it is fascinating. And and that's the type of approach I think we need with proper leadership, as you mentioned, Lisa, in cybersecurity to fix the problems we have. Well, it's almost like running a company, right? So you need management. You need to understand where you're going. Do you have a solution? 
and you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to do milestones and KPIs yes. and all that yes. stuff to say, okay, were we successful? Are we yeah. being successful? And, and we're running a poorly, a poorly run company right now. We're giving a lot of lip service to it. Yes. And, uh, you know, I would put the cyber experts in this country against any in the world. Yeah. I've been blessed to work with many of them. And, you know, both from military to civilian to the intel to, you know, commercial to Silicon Valley. I mean, there's some enormously big brains. Yes. And a lot of people who want to do the right thing. But we got to get at it. Yes. But to your analogy, we have great employees. We need to lead them with a proper vision and structure to success right. for right. this organization. Right. right. And so far, our class door ratings are not very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. Big Rachel? problems. Big problems. I know. With no clear answers. I mean, that could be like a whole other discussion. But the thing um, is, we actually, yeah. this country does really well with big problems. Sometimes we don't do emergencies really well, a la pandemic, but we do big thinking really well. And Mm -hmm. if we got that mindset going, I think that, you know, we could solve for many, many important things in cybersecurity. We could add it to that. note if you read, think again, because it's it's a pretty good read. I will. And let me know when you're having the call. Excellent. Yes, absolutely. Well, with that, I mean, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us today. This has been an awesome conversation. Thank guys. Uh, and great, to all of our listeners. Chatting. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and your insights. Thank you. Because uh, like my mind's kind of like right now. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm like open. <laughs> I, I want more and more. I know we're out of time, Rachel. But Lisa, you really opened my mind. I yes. appreciate it. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Good thing it's time for lunch. Exactly. So with that, uh, we'll close today's podcast. Um, Be sure to subscribe. We can come straight to your inbox every week. Uh, Until next time, take care. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. 